HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, culture, and identity. I'm your host, Sari Kamen. Today I'm going to air an interview I recorded several months ago in Philadelphia with the owners of South Philly Barbacoa, Christina Martinez and Ben Miller. Christina Martinez is an undocumented Mexican immigrant. She crossed the U.S. border in 2008 in order to try and earn enough money to pay for her daughter's education. While working in the kitchen at a restaurant in Philadelphia, she met Ben Miller an American who was also working as a cook. The two fell in love and decided to get married. Not long after, Christina was fired from the restaurant for being undocumented. After a long and difficult journey, Ben and Christina managed to open their restaurant, South Philly Barbacoa, a warm and colorful spot for handmade tortillas stuffed with the type of slow-cooked tender meat that Christina grew up cooking in her native Mexico. Not only is South Philly Barbacoa a place that draws hungry patrons in for authentic tacos and fresh-squeezed juices, it's also a gathering place for local community organizers to strategize and a safe space for events in support of undocumented workers' rights. Despite being helmed by an undocumented immigrant, Bon Appetit magazine named South Philly Barbacoa as one of its best restaurants in America in 2016. The interview that you are going to hear now is with Christina and Ben. Because Christina speaks mostly Spanish, Ben does most of the speaking as he translates for Christina. She walked, she came across the desert with great difficulty, like everyone. It's not easy because I don't really speak English. Los trabajos. Oh, she didn't speak English when she came. Para los trabajos, primero te the first thing that they'll ask you is if you speak English. It, uh, she it was one month before she could find a job. 
look, you know, one month of like looking, like walking in the streets every day, asking, you know, everyone. Did you come right to Philadelphia? Yeah, aquí estoy en Philadelphia. Posteriormente encontré un trabajo en la compañía de Marvetri por dos años. And then she went to work in the Mark Metry's company, and she was there for two years. Y es donde conozco a Ben. And that's where we met. Oh, okay. <laughs> nos casamos, eh, fue muy... Nos casamos pronto. We got married. Y yo pierdo mi trabajo porque no tenía yo un número de social para trabajar. And she lost her job because we brought it to the, the owner's attention that, you know, number that she used, you know, to get the job was a fake number, you know, and that we are trying to do things. What number? Do you mean like a social security number? Yeah, okay. like a fake social security card. And that, you know, we want to like figure out how to do things the right way oh, okay. as we're going through the process of um, getting Christina's documents in order. And, and they said, well, we didn't know that she, her papers were false, so, you know, come back when you get it figured out. Mm -hmm. Which is a lie. Mm -hmm. It's a lie. And it, if I would have told them right there at that moment, as there was a dozen guys working there, sure, that of all course. don't have papers, or would they have let them all go because of, now they're conscious of this thing? No, these guys don't. So, but that was how, that was what happened. But it sounds and like they were making an example the, out of Christina. Uh, no, it wasn't yeah. really even making an example. I mean, because it was very hard for them to lose Christina because mm -hmm. at that point she had lost her her assistant you know she went there working as a prep cook but because of her work ethic and she was able to like advance into the pastry department which she never had any experience with pastry and then like within a few months was the head of the pastry department and like had a key they were giving her like health benefits wow. um she and and she had an assistant and then the assistant was gone for like two or three weeks like to the point where and then one of their little mixers broke And she had to like do everything by hand, all mm -hmm. the like whisking of egg whites to, and all this kind of stuff. And it's crazy. And she's working like seven days a week on salary. It's like you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna you know, ax you. you yeah. Know, like no way. Like right. you're too valuable to this company, and, and you know we're just really trying to do the honest right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and this was an advice of a lawyer mm, right okay. turns out this lawyer is a hardcore tea party supporter like conservative like taking in all kind of immigration clients and you know but she's like a conservative columnist in the daily news so we didn't know this she gave us really bad advice and christina lost her job so that's where we're at in the story at that point ben had already left the mark vitri restaurant and was working at a friend's chinese place just as things looked like they were going well for christina She was newly married and had a steady job with benefits and a salary. She found herself unemployed. Christina went out to try and find a new job despite not being a legal U.S. citizen. Ben felt responsible for Christina's firing. It was his idea to come clean about her fake social security number. He thought the restaurant would understand and support them in her efforts towards gaining citizenship. He was wrong, and Christina lost her job. She was walking around. I mean, she was, you know, crying every day. She was trying to find something she was trying to hustle and uh you know was you know went out with the basket of quesadillas and would sell them to people on the street and was helping friends out at their restaurants and eventually she finally landed a job at a, bake a bakery and she was making like terrible money it was <laughs> it would be like 13 hour day for like 60 bucks 
Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, she was like moving this place forward also. Like, she was doing like specials, like <laughs> the tiramisu that she made over there, they're still selling it over there. Did you, know? you regret at that point coming to the United States? Did you wonder if that was a mistake? Pues cuando no encontraba trabajo, sí, pero después, pues ya tenía una estabilidad con Betri. Después, bueno, ya fue... Yeah, like before, like before she had a job at Betri, she, she was, you know, had doubts, and then she landed that job, and she had stability. Pero tenía que estar aquí más tiempo por seguir con la escuela de But like, but it was kind of just like, she had to stay and figure it out and make sure that she was but did it kind of change your um, did you feel differently did you see America differently than how you had pictured it uh, se cambió como te ve Estados Unidos después de eso si pues si porque no tenía tenía yo menos derechos que los inmigrantes por el proceso de nuestros documentos quien inmigrantes bueno que los demás compañeros latinos O sea, que quería yo trabajar en un lugar, pero no tenía ID, entonces no podía trabajar donde yo quería. Sí, a ver, ¿Para los ID no. falsos ¿eso es mejor o no entiendo? No, 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 que, que, que ya, no pude, ya no hice un ID falso ah. y ya no pude trabajar, entonces me sentía yo más abajo que los demás. Oh, yeah, so she felt that now that she wasn't using a social, a fixed security card, that now she was even pushed down farther than the rest of the immigrants who were working with one, mm-hmm. even, even though they were fake. Right. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that, that affected her. She was working at this bakery, right, and working the counter, baking stuff, doing all this stuff. Um, and that's when she, we did, we did a one pop-up with Barbacoa, and you wanted to have a restaurant over there, but we didn't have any money. And so no. she did a pop-up in one night, and it was, she just kind of did a pop-up in a failing restaurant. Mm. You know, they closed shortly after that, but mm-hmm. they wanted her to, like, take it over. Yeah. But I was like, no, we don't have any money at all. <laughs> it's not a good idea. But, you know, even though maybe it's different now, but there, it was always, like, every two or three days, she was like, oh, I found this place, like, we don't have we still don't have money so so you really had this idea yeah I mean well she's I mean backstory on Christina is that from six years old she's making barbacoa with her family okay you know her brothers cook barbacoa her parents cooking it for 60 years yeah and what what city are you from Uh, Toluca Toluca Capuluac Estado de Mexico yeah Capuluac is the name of the Uh of the town where where she's from and where like the big barbacoa culture is the the closest major metropolitan to look okay. Um, but yeah, so that's what she's done her whole life is cook barbacoa. Mm. So she decided to cook barbacoa at, at in our apartment, you know. And so she would tell the guys who were coming in the bakery in the morning for their coffee, you know, I'm cooking barbacoa in my house on Sundays, like come over at seven in the morning. And uh, yeah, people started to come over at the apartment and, uh, and buy her barbacoa. She was selling it by the kilo. Uh, and then some people would like eat there and then like that grew every single week it grew and grew and grew as much as ben tried to deny it it became apparent that christina was determined to have a barbacoa restaurant word continued to spread and their apartment became a makeshift pop-up each week christina started to get catering jobs at parties for 100 to 150 people all of the barbacoa was cooked in their apartment kitchen and they had to buy new equipment to keep up with the demand 
I would love to just hear you talk a little bit about how, you know, Barbaco is so much your identity and your life. How you, it seems like you, you have está, to cook it. Como está la barbaco, es como tan cerca de su identidad como sientes si no estás cocinando barbaco. Oh, creo que... It almost sounds like you didn't have a choice. Pero, uh, no, no, no. Pues uh, sería un cambio total, pero pues ya también... It would be a total change, but yeah, also pero, that might be something she could do. Pero pues igual va a haber un tiempo que ya va a venir alguien a hacerlo mejor y... Oh, and she said, and she said, and also there will come a time where there's going to be someone that's going to come along and cook it better, you know. No. Well, no, that's, that's, that's just the thing, you know, it's not like... Everybody cooks barbacoa and kapuak, you know, but it's like, um, it's not a competitive as much as mm-hmm. like, you know, his is delicious or like the pancito is delicious and people, you know, and that kind of like, it's all high level and, you know, it's making more better products come into town and, you know, the whole town economy is built on that, so it's like, it's, it's all better. <laughs> See, one of the really important parts of cooking the barbacoa is like you really have to be in like a peaceful state of mind when you're cooking so that the meat like mm. comes out good. Yeah, um, this is very important. Yeah, it, it is really important, and um, you know, like the whole saison and the kind of the saison, and like the, the, the seasoning. Mm-hmm. You know, the it's it, it it is an important an important ingredient. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the passion. We make it very nice uh, meat, very nice products, very okay, Ben is 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 no, it's happy, okay, bye bye. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. If, if I try to start an argument with she's like, No, you you have to leave because like we're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go. For a long time, I look in. Whatever is going on, you have to kind of just be in a right state of mind when you're cooking because it's going to cook all night and really it will just like something bad will happen or whatever. Yeah. But it was so important for you, even because it takes a lot of like focus and concentration yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I, uh-huh. I, maybe that's another way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. But it was so important for you, you know, even though you were no longer in Mexico, even here, to find a way to keep cooking barbacoa. Well, uh, I want to say what what I, what I think too is mm-hmm. um, is that it's it's really the thing that she knows best, and mm-hmm. that she's like. Has a craft that she's a master right, in, yeah. so it's like it makes more sense to do that than anything else. Word continued to spread, and Ben and Christina's landlord started to get suspicious of the foot traffic that would happen on Sunday mornings. For a while, they were able to placate their landlord with tacos and extra rent, but that could only last for so long. Ben and Christina began their search for a restaurant space where they could hold a legitimate barbacoa pop-up restaurant once a week outside of their home. We had a couple things that we were looking at, but I was like riding my bike home from um, from work, and one of the the guys who I worked with, he was a busser, and I'm uh, at Canela, and and and, I, and he was like cleaning his parents' food truck. And I said, "What's this?" And he said, "Oh yeah, my parents have a food truck. Like it's like um, it's a food cart. Mm-hmm. You know, they sell like cheese steaks and um, hoagies and cigarettes and coffee and stuff." out by the hospital on Monday to Friday I said you know do you think your dad would let us use it on Sundays <coughs> and so like I wrote his dad a letter and explains the idea and you know like my, my proposal to give him a hundred bucks a day to use the car and so 
he said yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So he said yeah, and it, this was so like yeah. the, this was like the end of January. So it was like super cold out. The first day that we opened up, it was right in front of the bakery where she was working because she knew there would be people there at six o'clock in the morning, and so we were like digging out the ice from the road so that we could pull the car. <laughs> but we sold out of everything at like eleven o'clock. Wow. And we had cooked like that day, like double what we were cooking in the house. Yeah. So then we next week we cooked double that and we sold out by like noon. And so then we just continue like doing more and more and more. Eventually the the bakery started to be like, you know Yeah. yeah. The guy is the bakery yeah. is not so, happy. <clears throat> right. Despite not selling anything but barbacoa tacos, the bakery was concerned that the cart was taking customers away. A confrontation ensued, and Ben and Christina were once again looking for a place to set up shop. As luck would have it, Ben found a for-rent sign on a building near the bakery where they had previously parked. There was like a for-rent sign one day on, the, on this, this, this building on this corner. And Christina was like, you know, find out this guy. We saw one guy going in there one day, and it was like at the end of a Sunday. So I had like cash on me, and I was like, look, like we want this place. Like here's the down payment. And he was like, yeah, cool. So we moved into this place right across the alleyway from the bakery. So the next week we opened up with the cart, like it's in front of the apartment now. Okay. And now we started selling drinks too, because yeah. like, fuck yeah. you guys, if you didn't want to work with yeah. us. So. Uh, and that grew and grew and grew too. Um, and we started to get mobbed on, and we, then we opened sun, Saturdays too. Mm-hmm. So we're doing Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and you know, we, we would get big crowds, especially in the summertime. But, and then I was, I was like running deliveries, like in my bike or my car. Like I was like running deliveries from the cart. Like it was crazy. We, we had at one point like four, Four or five people working with us so, at the cart. And people could call in delivery orders? Yeah, it was crazy. Well, <laughs> were you yeah. working full-time also? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, Monday is the yeah. end of the day. No, this yeah. is a day for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in that apartment, like, I, I built, like, a huge prep table. We, <clears throat> we had, like, our two candy burners, like, in the back. And, uh, <laughs> like, the whole apartment was also, like, a, a factory. that We eventually had, like, like, got the garage in the like this apartment came with a garage it was 800 bucks a month it was awesome and then so I, I installed like a sink in the garage like a big sink and we had like freezers and stuff in there and like all the dry storage so like we slowly are just like turning into a restaurant uh-huh. and uh, and kind of like near the end of the year and a half that we were a food cart um, like it was one like kind of racist neighbor that kept giving us shit hmm. he would call the streets department LNI, the health department whatever like and really just riding us about all this stupid shit but really was that the neighborhood was a different color than than when he grew up in it right and uh whatever but on that same corner there was prostitution and drug selling and um, murders maybe couple murders you know, right on that same corner, and we're there, like yeah, that's all fine, playing though. like yeah. happy music, yeah, like, people feeding are people tacos, and, yeah. yeah, so whatever. But we did start to feel like super under pressure, like, and then the one time that Elle and I, they said, oh well, this cart has to be parked on the sidewalk, not on the street, and we were always parking on the street, uh-huh. and uh, so then like we like tried to put it up on the sidewalk, and it was like super awkward and no space, and it was just like, yeah, this is. <sighs> 
getting like a little more tenser, you know, especially because we are cooking in my house. Mm-hmm. Like we're nervous about that already. Right. <laughs> you know, there was not a whole lot of good stuff going on. Down the block from the cart was a vegan restaurant. Several of the cooks who worked there were not exactly vegan themselves and would stop by the cart for tacos on their way to work. Ben and Christina established a good rapport with the owners of the restaurant, who informed them that the vegan restaurant was closing soon and the space would be available. After the neighbors called law and immigration services on them yet again, Ben and Christina knew it was time to leave, and they were able to reopen in the former vegan restaurant. Yeah, then we're in here, and then, like, every week, also, we're still trying to, like, move it forward. So, like, you know, there was a wall here, and so, like, one week, we would just, you know, knock the wall out and put the table back further, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the one week, we would paint, and one then the next week, like, people would come in, and was like, oh, it's a different color. Yeah. <laughs> Baby so, steps. Yeah, yeah. but it's still, it, you know, it's, it's still like that. Mm-hmm. We're still, like, just bringing in big pieces that are new all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, like, like I just got this like really awesome chopping block like a few weeks ago when I, on my birthday. It, this guy, <laughs> you know, he made us like a like a real like cross section of a tree chopping block. Oh, cool. Like a 50 year old tree and built us like a <clears> new <throat> box for the barbacoa. Like the box that we were using for the last four years yeah, it's there's a wooden box, right? The perfect size for the the um, the setup that I have, and we had just found it randomly mm. in the in the thrift store, you know, this yeah. wooden box. And it, yeah, so I it, it's in a there. lot of little pieces like that, and and a lot of like you know, it's, I feel like because <clears throat> we kind of came that way. It's like every pot and pan and spoon in here has some story behind it. Yeah, it's a great story. Not only is South Philly Barbacoa a restaurant, but it's also been a hub for local activism and advocacy, particularly as a place where the rights of undocumented workers are defended and immigrants' contributions to the restaurant industry are celebrated. It's a scary time, you know, in a lot of communities. <coughs> it's a palpable fear. Um, but I feel like we're going even harder with the activism and with the messaging and stronger with, you know, what we're really trying to do. Um, And, you know, I I look for the, you know, the most extreme case, you know, which would be, you know, A, they they raid the restaurant multiple times, you know, and Mm -hmm. I wound up in jail, which, you know, well, first of all, would be a lot of fines, right? Why would you be in jail? as an owner, you know, for... For what? For harboring? Yeah, what do you call it? Having undocumented workers. They, they oh, find you, right? But okay. then if you repeat the offense, you know, mm-hmm. I would crowdfund it. I would say, look, yeah, yeah. this is it. We were targeted. But I think the eventual pen penalty could be jail time, which, you know... Then yeah, but what a, about the threat of Christina's deportation? Yeah, then... then the, the moral of the story is Christina knows how to cook barbacoa and we'll like have a barbacoa in Mexico or, uh-huh. or in Cuba or wherever we wind up yeah so have you I mean have you talked about that possibility like is, yeah, is ice in always. the neighborhood and I mean it's to me it seems very brave that like you guys are advocates because you're you know you are undocumented and well, there is actually, such like a real threat of it actually like 
it gives us more safety and more of a network and more of a, a structure. Like mm. we know all these lawyers and activists that we wouldn't have known, and we have like mm -hmm. tons of people that would give us pro bono advice or jump in to protect us. And like by being like um, uh, so vocal, about vocal, it. you know, it's like um, it would be a, a PR backlash for for you know for that like that would motivate people more yeah and um, so you're I not mean, worst scared. case scenario is is, is is deported to Mexico yeah then my message is okay you're pushing out culture you're pushing out tax dollars that we're gonna pay in Mexico now of course and US tourists will come and visit there we'll have the clientele of people who already know the food in Mexico mm -hmm. we'll be able to work with fresher ingredients um, that are locally grown in Mexico of the cactus leaves and, and on the cilantro and the corn that we're using. And so it's really so that's better, not yeah that's not a scary possibility. It's for you. better to be in Mexico. So tell me a little bit about um, the adv advocacy work you guys are doing and how you're connecting with other undocumented restaurant workers and restaurants, mm -hmm. sanctuary restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, well, the sanctuary restaurants is something that um, that's, that's coming from Rock that they organized and. You know, we we signed up on to to be on that. Mm -hmm. um, but the work that, we, as we've seen it, is um, to to try to tap into the. Um, well, we have we have already a platform because of the food, you yeah. know, as restaurant as restaurant tours and uh, the. Um, I guess the the power or influence with. Socially and politically and economically, because it's a billions of dollar industry that's connected with other industries, you know, it could be used for um, really, like, if it was unified as a voice to to really push for, you know, at least the issue of immigration into the mainstream, where it's not reaching a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like, people may or may not know what's going on locally. Or, or nationally, but with what are following chefs and I mean, I think it's probably less and less that people are so not plugged in. But I guess there still are people. But just seeing the food media as a as a way uh, that can unify people, also to try to get uh, chefs to speak up and and talk about the issue the way it really is. You know that this. This is the way that we have to run. This is the, the industry, you know. Try to talk to former restaurateurs that, you know, can kind of say things a little more freely or yeah. maybe have people talk anonymously or whatever. What we've tried to do is, um, and so so we, we've just been trying to have a call to action for a long time. And then we, you know, they ran a story about that in, in the newspaper and then someone gave us uh, a thousand bucks. Oh, hello. Hi. We're only open on um, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, really? Yeah. Darn. Okay. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks. There's a lot of great food right in the neighborhood here. Where? Give us a place. Um, Brigantessa. What time is it? Is it five yet? No. No. Four. Three. Five. Four. What's, what's around here right now? Yeah, I think those uh, right. I a lot of places open at five. Um, so somebody give us a, a thousand bucks, 
you know, they read the article and like, here's a thousand bucks. Like the Bon Appetit article. No, no, this was like a an article in the Inquirer oh. where we were saying, you know, chefs need to step up and protect the undocumented staff and yeah. let's acknowledge that there are people here and they're doing work. And it was on the front page of the Inquirer. Um, somebody gave us a thousand bucks. At the time, we were like having. Monthly community meetings here. We would just like take the tables out, and people would just come in. And we say, you know, this is the issue that we're talking about. Um, and there was a chef there. I said, um, Elijah. He's in, he's in LA now. He said, well, like, let's do a collaborative dinner. So we got, it came together really quick, very easy, like all in one day. And we had a dinner. It was like four or five chefs, and people would, you know. Christina shared her story. Another girl, Karina, who was from the USSR and, and uh, immigrated through Canada, but didn't was undocumented, right? But now USSR doesn't exist anymore, so she's stateless and undocumented and doesn't have a country to be deported to. Hmm. You know, so she, she shared her story and, and the owner. Uh, and so we held it at uh, Nomad Pizza, which is uh, just like a pizzeria mm-hmm. in uh, South Street. Uh, well, it's a nice pizzeria. It, they have a second floor dining room, and that's where we had the dinner. And um, and the owner of the of Nomad spoke too about how he immigrated and, and mm. he was undocumented for a while, and you know a couple of their workers were there, and you know and it was kind of. And, and then we had a um, music. We had um, my friend Shakur played uh, percussion, and there was a trumpet. It was cool, and then we had um, I mean, something on the screen too. So we had this event. Um, in the, I mean, it was kind of crazy, you know, like I, I made a Facebook event. I said, call my cell phone like after two o'clock on this such and such today or send me a text. I, and then I just wrote them all down in a notebook and it was like, a, you know, it was completely packed. It was cool. That's cool. Yeah. That was, and, um, and then that actually made money. We said, um, just donate whatever you want because we didn't want to have a suggested donation um, because we didn't want to uh, make it exclusive for people that have money. So, but people gave, were generous. And then so it was like, okay, now there, we have a thousand plus some. Mm-hmm. So then we did another dinner, another dinner, another dinner. We did um, 11 of them. Mm-hmm. And we're uh, trying to, um, you know, collaborate with more people and have more people share the story. We invited like, you know, local activist groups to come and talk about the work that they're doing, like the Juntos and the New Sanctuary Movement. and. Um, the NSC and like different people from these different groups have come to different dinners and just talked to the day. Like every dinner was different. Christina faces the challenges each day of being an undocumented restaurant worker. She would seek citizenship, but the U.S. government has made it extremely difficult for her to pursue this course because she previously crossed the border illegally. Ben explains. Right now, she could go on the path by going to Mexico for 10 years and then applying for a, uh, a waiver, right? And then, you know, I guess she, would, she could get a green card and then after a certain amount of years, you get something else and then you can get a... But why can she not get a green card now? Like, um, because the, you the guys are married. So if somebody yeah. comes in from Poland and they're, they you know, are a student and they overstay their visa and they get married to an American citizen, they uh-huh. can change their status right. while they're here. Um, the difference is the people that are coming from the south um, have something else that's tagged on, which is, says unauthorized entry. Oh, right. 
this is really an intentional way of trapping people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because this is applying to people that are coming from South America and, and people are saying, you know, I have to go back to the country and live there for three years or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I'd rather stay here and you So know, they just live want you to go through like all the proper channels. The, yeah. Well, I, I mean, another way of looking at it is really design, by design, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's holding people here, you know, um, like Christina. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Food Without Borders. And thank you to Ben Miller and Christina Martinez for sharing your story. And to Isha Dev of Saffron PR for arranging our interview. You can learn more about South Philly Barbacoa at southphillybarbacoa.com. And if you're in Philly, be sure to stop by Friday through Sunday at their new location on South 11th and Morris. Tune in next week, Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. EST on www.heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.